Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. We've been in this, uh, this series that we're calling I Doubt It for the last few weeks, just taking a look at some of the reasons why uh, we doubt God. We doubt what he's doing. Um, sometimes we doubt how he's working. Um, and so I want to continue that today. How many of you would say that you surf, suffer from mild road rage? Anybody? Uh, I'm not talking about the kind of road rage that makes people pull over and gets out and wants to fight them, although I've heard your stories. I'm talking about the kind of road rage where you just shout things at other cars that you know they can't hear you. We have, we have this three-way stop near our house, and you would think that there are enough three-way and four-way stops in the world that people would know how to drive through one. But people lose their minds at three-way, four-way stops. Have y'all noticed that? The other day, I'm coming home, and I, I pull up to the three-way stop. There's a car coming from this way that's going straight. I'm taking a left. And this car clearly gets there before I do. So I pull up to the stop sign like a good driver, come to a complete stop, and look at my friend here on the right. And continue to look at my friend here on the right. After about five to ten seconds of me looking at my friend here on the right, I decide he is doing something else or doesn't know what to do, so I'm going to go myself. So I start to pull out, and guess what happens? He decides it's my turn. So I stop. Guess what happens? He stops. I go. Guess what happens? I stop. Y'all get it now. So after about 10 seconds of playing chicken with this dude, finally he starts and he just barrels through the three-way stop and looks at me like it's my fault. So me being a pastor did not wave to him with one select finger. I simply shouted, what in the world are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Have have y'all ever asked God that question? Like, God, what are you doing? Have you ever been in a place or in a season of your life where literally you're trying to figure it out and you can't figure out anything to say except for God, what are you doing? God, this pain, this hurt has gone on long enough. You know I'm hurting. God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? You tell me in the Bible that you work all things to the good of those who love you, but I don't see anything good coming. God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? Why do I continue to suffer? God, what are you doing? Why aren't my relationships, why isn't my relationship better than it is? God, what are you doing? Have you ever looked at the world around you and asked that question? Here's one of my favorites. God, what are you doing? They have so much and they don't do jack for you. Here I am over here trying and nothing goes my way. God, what are you doing? Or God, what are you doing? Why in the world is the shape, why, why is the world in the shape that it's in? Why do we all hate each other all of a sudden based off of crazy things? God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? Why do innocent people have to suffer, right? God, what are you doing? 
I want to look at a story in the Bible today of a guy that asked a similar question. My title today is, what are you doing? You probably already guessed. What are you doing? I want us to look at the story of, uh, or a particular story of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, if you don't know who he is, he's not like the first person in the Baptist denomination or anything. John the Baptist was a guy who had a calling. His calling was to prepare the way for Jesus, to prepare people to receive who Jesus was. And we see this calling early, early on. Even before John was born, the Bible says that in the presence of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and when, when his mother got into the presence of Mary, the mother of Jesus, he literally leapt, leaped inside of her womb. So early on, John knew his calling. He had a passion for it. He had a deep conviction for it. He gave up everything for his calling. And his message, as he traveled around preaching, preparing the way for Jesus, was really simple. He would say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. In other words, repent, because this Messiah, this Jesus that we've been waiting on for so long, He's here, and so what would happen is he would preach this message, repent, and be baptized. And so then he would go and baptize the people that did repent, that turned from their sins. In fact, John even baptized Jesus. In Matthew 3, after there's some exchange between Jesus and John, because John doesn't feel worthy to baptize Jesus, we read this. Matthew 3, verse 16 says, when Jesus was baptized... He went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Can you just imagine being John in this moment? Like he's gotta be nervous, right? Of all the baptisms that he's done, this is like the pinnacle of all baptisms. This is that monumental occasion and so he probably walks out into the lake with Jesus probably shaking knees shaking arms shaking he dunks Jesus under the water probably almost drops him because he's still shaking and then when he pulls him out of the water the Holy Spirit comes and he hears a voice and God says this is my son this is him and I love him can you imagine how John felt in that moment can you imagine the beat of his heart the excitement inside of his gut if I was John I'd probably pee my robe a little bit but can you imagine Can you imagine being there for that? Not just reading about it, but literally being there for the baptism of Jesus. But it's not too long after that that we see John begin to have some doubts. Matthew 11 says, after Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come? We expect someone else. So John is having doubts, and you've got to give John some credit because he's being real, right? 
I mean, he's having doubts, he's having questions, and he's not trying to fake his way through it. He has some doubts, and so he sends some messengers to go to Jesus to ask him about what's really going on. John is anything but fake. Don't, don't you despise fake people? Like people who, 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 who fake it around you, people who pretend to be one thing around you, and then there's somebody different around somebody else, or somebody who... Who, who fakes like they have it all together, even though you know their life is falling, lives are falling apart. I would rather have someone be messed up and tell me than to try to fake it around me. I would rather have someone not like me and tell me than to have somebody fake it around me. Which, by the way, aren't you thankful for a church where you don't have to be fake? Aren't you glad that this is a place where you don't have to fake your way through it, but we all messed up, we're all messed up, and you can come into this place and you can admit it and you don't have to pretend. Aren't you glad that this is a safe place? Because I think if you've been here a while, sometimes you can lose sight of that, but there's a lot of churches this morning of people sitting in pews, people sitting in chairs, and they are having to fake like they are somebody else just to be able to sit in the room. Because if anybody really knew what was going on inside of them, if anybody really knew their fears, their sins, their doubts, their afraid, they would shun them and push them out. But not here. But it's hard to build a relationship with a fake person, isn't it? Because it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know which one's going to show up today. Like, I, I, I don't know. Can I, can I trust you or not? Was, was that really you? I mean, I, f- I feel like I can trust you. But then yesterday, I didn't feel like I could trust you. It's, it's, it's hard. You can't, you, can't, you can't trust fake people. It's no way to have a relationship. Did you know that God would rather have a real relationship with real you than you try to fake it in front of him? God would rather you admit it when you mess up than to try to pretend like you don't. God would rather you admit it when you have doubts rather than you trying to pretend like you don't. Why don't, why don't we try to fake it with God? Why don't we do that? Like, God created us. God can literally read our minds, but yet we try to fake it like we've got it all together in front of him. Why, 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 don't, we, why don't we try to fake it? God would rather build a relationship with the real you than to have you try to fake it, fake your way through a relationship with him. John, in a really open and honest moment, asked, is Jesus really who I thought he was? And for some of you today, if you're honest with yourself, and if you're honest with God, you would say, I have that same question. One of the questions I get asked sometimes is, there's, there's so many religions in the world, how do I know that this Jesus thing is real? Some of you today, you're asking, how do I know that this even works? Like, if I put my faith in this, if I really jump in with both feet, how do I even know it works? Or some of you are asking, how in the world can anybody love me? Do you understand what I've done? Or some of you even have your doubts because you're like, God is supposed to be all-powerful? Well, if he's all-powerful, he's certainly not using his, his power for me. In other words, the question you're asking and the question that John is sending messengers to ask Jesus is he's asking Jesus, what are you doing? John's honest, but he's also in prison. Mark 17 actually tells us why he's in prison. You see, John's calling was to preach this message of repent. Turn from your ways because Jesus is here. So Mark six seventeen says that the ruler of the time, Herod, who's a wicked man, 
had actually gone on a trip with his sister-in-law. And when he got back, he decides to divorce his wife so that he can be with the sister-in-law. Sounds like a Netflix series, right? (laughs) And so John, because because of his calling, approaches Herod about this, calls out Herod's sin. Herod is so prideful and so wicked that Herod has John thrown into prison. In fact, Herod would be the reason later that John actually gets killed. So why is John in prison? For doing the exact thing that he was supposed to be doing. Why is John thrown into prison? for following God, not for disobeying God. Like we would suppose that that would be the reason, right? But he's not in prison for disobeying God. He is in prison for doing exactly what he was supposed to be doing. So this Bible hero of ours, John the Baptist, who has a calling to prepare the way for Jesus, who has literally given up his entire life for that calling, who baptized Jesus is in prison for doing the right thing. What? God, what are you doing? Like, if he had done something wrong, we could kind of justify that in our minds, couldn't we? Like, if if John had, had disobeyed the law, or if he had done something wrong, we could kind of justify, okay, well, God didn't keep him from trouble, but at least he, at least he had what, we, what was coming. And, and some of you today, you're, you're, you doubt God because you can't justify in your mind what God is doing. Because you can't justify in your mind what he's doing in your life. And some of you today have doubts because you feel like you have done the right things but have gotten the wrong results. You've been trying. You haven't lived a perfect life, but you have tried. You have tried to be loving. You have tried to be forgiving. You have tried to follow God. You thought you were obeying his voice. You've tried to be a giver. You've tried to be generous. You've tried coming to church. You've tried it all, but yet it doesn't seem to be helping. Things seem to be getting worse, and you're asking, God, what are you doing and you're coming to a place where you wonder is it even worth it god what are you doing if if we're going to be honest i struggle with this too a few months ago our son riley had the worst asthma attack of his life he doesn't even have that bad of asthma typically he has some allergies but typically the asthma isn't that bad but after about a day of of him coughing and wheezing and you can literally see his, you know, his, his diaphragm gasping for air. We've, we've done everything we know to do. We're about to take him to the hospital and we're laying in the bed. He's, he's propped up and, and I remember laying there beside him and, and my prayer was something like, God, what are you doing? He's just a kid. Like, I believe that if, if you just snapped your finger, you could open up his lungs, you could do something, you could change something, you could make him feel better. God, he's just a kid, a, ki- a good kid that loves you. God, why are you putting him through this? Have you ever been to that point where it's like, God, what are you doing? That's the way John feels. And he's in prison. And this prison isn't like a prison we would know today. It was more of a dungeon. To make matters worse, this man who has been called to preach, repent, who's been called to, to wander around preaching the kingdom of heaven is near. 
to make matters worse, most biblical scholars believe that John has been in this dungeon for almost a year at this point for doing absolutely the right thing. So John is confused, he's hurting, and he's beginning to doubt everything he thought he knew. And he's questioning whether Jesus is the Messiah. And he's essentially saying, I have followed you without wavering. Is it all going to be for nothing? I think a lot of us come to these moments of significant doubt, don't we? These moments of significant doubt, and I think we go through them for several different reasons. Number one is the same reason John is going through this one, because of tough situations. Because sometimes we can get into a place in life, and it's so painful, and it hurts so much, and we've tried so hard, and we can't do anything else, and we don't know what to do, and we've called everybody we know, and it's so painful, you really do begin to wonder, God, what are you doing? You've been there. Where you begin to wonder, God, are you even there? I think sometimes our doubt comes from outside influences. Keep in mind, John is in prison and he's preaching this message at a time where most of the Jewish people would have believed that the Messiah, when he comes, is going to set up an earthly throne and sit on an earthly throne and rule in an earthly kingdom. And so here John is putting his stock that Jesus is still the Messiah, even though all that stuff isn't happening. And you know people are telling him, John, look, he's not, he doesn't even look like the Messiah. So sometimes... We can be doubting because of outside influences. I think this is more prevalent in today's world than it ever has been. Because as, as culture begins to move away from, 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 from real truth and from solid truth, it can be really easy for those of us that call ourselves believers to move in that direction. Because one of the things I know about me is that I often follow the path of least resistance. And so what happens is I see all of the people around me, in this day and age, it's not even just the people around me, it's the people on my phone, and I see them believing and behaving in one way, and it starts to make me, starts to make me doubt. And, and, and the, the hard part is that sometimes those things even look like love, right? As they step away from absolute truth, it even looks like love, but the deal with love is it's truth and grace, and so sometimes these outside influences can almost convince us, well, God, is, is this stuff really true? Because it seems like everybody else is following a different direction. I think another reason why doubts come into our life is because of unfulfilled expectations. Anybody ever dealt with that? Where you expected this and you got this? John's dealing with this one too. Because his expectations for what Jesus was going to do aren't coming true because he's been stuck in this prison for a year. Like, wouldn't faith be easy if you always got what you expected? Like, if A plus B always equaled C, wouldn't it make it easy? Because you knew if I do A plus B, God will do C. Do you ever feel like that? And so I did this, I did this, but God didn't do this. Unfulfilled expectations. It can make you begin to doubt. And some of you today, the reason you're doubting is because of unfulfilled expectations. It's the source of your doubt. It's the source of your, your fear. Some of you, it's the source of, of your depression because you didn't get what you expected. The relationship didn't go the way you expected. The marriage didn't go the way you expected. The job didn't go the way you expected. You didn't get treated the way you expected. You didn't feel the way you expected. And so A plus B didn't equal C, and it has you confused. And it has you 
in doubt. John, in a moment of critical doubt, says, go ask Jesus, are you the one? Or should I look for somebody else? This is important, and we can skim right over it if we're not careful. But notice that John doesn't say, go ask him. Because if Jesus isn't it, then I'm living for myself, and I'm done. He didn't say, go ask him. Because if Jesus isn't it, then this whole thing's a hoax. I'm just going to live my life to the fullest. YOLO, I'm going to die and be buried. But what does he say? He says, go ask him. Ask him if he's the one. Or should I expect something else? Do you know why he says that? Because you and I, just like John, will always put our trust and our hope in something. And so some of you today, you have such big doubts. You're about to take a step away from God or you're about to take another big step away from Jesus because you can't trust him anymore. And what I would tell you today is that if you don't trust Jesus, you will trust something with your hope, with your dreams, with your peace, and with your joy. You'll trust something. You'll trust trying to fulfill a certain impression that you want to give to people. You'll trust stuff. You'll trust if I can just get enough. You'll trust someone. And if I have a relationship with them, if I am known by them, you will trust a lot of things if you fail to trust Jesus. The problem is, is none of that stuff is strong enough to sustain your hope and your trust. Jesus is the only one strong enough to carry your hope. And if you walk away today, If you walk away today, you will continue to look for it in all the wrong places, and it'll never be strong enough to hold it. Some of you have lived that life. You tried all that stuff. You tried another partner. You tried, I was trying to think of a nice way to say that. You tried another partner. You tried another drink. You tried another purchase. Tried another relationship. But at the end of the day, you were left hopeless. Because you will, just like John, you will put your faith in something. So John does what I believe God wants us to do with our doubts today. He takes it to Jesus, and Jesus responds. Look at what he says in verse 4. Jesus says, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So Jesus doesn't tell these messengers, go back and tell John, yes, I'm him. He doesn't tell him, go back, tell John, you moron, of course I'm him. You've always said I'm him. Why would you change your mind now? Jesus doesn't do any any of that. Instead, he tells them, go back to John and tell them what you have seen me do. And the reason why he's telling him that is because he wants John to see that all of that Old Testament prophecy, the things that were predicted in the Old Testament that the Messiah would do, he is fulfilling all of those. Over 300 prophecies are fulfilled that were written hundreds of years earlier were fulfilled by Jesus. So Jesus is essentially saying, go back, tell John that I'm doing the Father's will, that I am him, that I am up to what I'm supposed to be up to, even if it doesn't look like he wanted it to. 
even if it's not the version of the Messiah that he thought, I'm still doing everything I was supposed to be doing. Just because it's not what you wanted, John, just because it's not what you wanted, person listening to me right now, just because it's not what you wanted doesn't mean I'm not real. Essentially, Jesus is saying, go back. Tell John, you've been asking, what are you doing? Dude, you've been asking the wrong question. You've been asking the wrong question because you have to see for yourself who I am if you're ever going to trust me. And some of you today need to be reminded of what God promised he would do for you. John needs to be reminded of the promised Messiah and what it would really look like, not his idea of it. Some of you today need to be reminded of what God promised you and who he really is. God never promised you that it would be easy. You can look in this entire Bible. God never promises you that it would be easy. He never promises you that you're going to get everything you want. He never promises you that when you accept Christ into your life that things will get easier. He never promises you that the path will be smooth. He never promises all of your relationships are going to be perfect. He never promises you a fat bank account. What does he promise you? He promises you somebody to walk through it all with. He promises you hope. He promises you eternity that through a relationship with Jesus, one day when this life's journey is over, you can spend eternity at the feet of Jesus in the most crazy place that you could ever imagine the most amazing place that you could ever imagine. He promises that you have someone to walk through this life with, and he promises you relationship. That's what God has promised you. And if you're struggling today, and you're asking God, what are you doing? He is still fulfilling his promises, even if it didn't look like you wanted it to. So maybe some of us today maybe we're asking the wrong questions. We're asking God, what are you doing? God, this doesn't make sense. God, I'm tired. What are you doing? God, I'm hurting. What are you doing? God, why won't you do something? God, why are you doing this? What are you doing? And today, God wants to remind somebody today that you can trust him even when you don't know what he's doing. So I pray today. I pray that God shows you who he really is. I pray that he shows you that he is love. That love isn't just something that he does, but it's literally the essence of his being, that he loves with a perfect love and an an unimaginable love, a love that never fails, never grows weary, can never be outrun. I pray that he shows you that he loves you. I pray that he shows you that he's truth and that he has truth and that he's spoken truth and that his truth is the best way to live. And if he says it's true, it's true. I pray that he shows you today that he is your creator, that he created you, that he knit you together in your mother's womb, and he didn't mess up a single thing. People have said he did. People have told you there's things messed up about you, but he didn't mess up a single piece. He created you. He breathed the breath of life into you, and you continue to breathe today. I pray that you'll see that he's your comforter. That even though pain, even though grief, even though issues grip you, that he is your comforter and he walks beside you. 
and that he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I pray that today he reminds you that he is your provider. That he is providing for your physical needs, but it's not just your physical needs, but it's your emotional needs as well. It's your spiritual needs as well, that he can provide something that nothing else can provide, that he can provide an identity. He can provide an anchor inside of your soul that you can't get from anywhere else. I pray that today that he he will remind you that he is your peace, that in the midst of chaos, in the midst of turmoil, that he can bring peace, that you can feel something inside of your soul that makes people say, how do you feel like that with all hell breaking loose around you? And you can say, because I have a peace that surpasses understanding. I pray that today that he will remind you that he is present. that he is in this room with you just like he's in your bedroom late at night through the tears and the agony and the pain that you're feeling. I pray that you would know that he is always with you, that you can always carry on a conversation with him and that he never turns a deaf ear. I pray that today that you'll see that he's your healer, that he can heal you physically, that he can do what doctors say can't be done, that he can do something at a different level that will baffle them. I pray that you see that he's your healer for your sickness, for your body, but also he's a healer for your soul and the damage that's been done by other people, the abuse that you have withstood. He can heal it. He can make it new. And he calls you by your name and says you are healed because you are mine. I pray that today that you will see that he is faithful that he's never left you, that he's never abandoned you. I don't care what life you've lived. I don't care which direction you've gone, but he is faithful. He is faithful to complete what he said he's going to complete. He is faithful to walk with you. He is faithful to talk with you. He is faithful to be your best friend, your provider, and he is faithful. I pray today that you'll see that he's your shepherd, that he leads you beside quiet waters to a pasture of sunshine and delight. Pray that you see that he's your shepherd and that if you'll follow him when you hear his voice, he will lead you to the right pasture. I pray that today that you'll see that he is enough. And that if you never have anything else you want, if it never makes sense to you, that you will put your faith in the one who is enough, when everyone else abandons you, when everyone else leaves you, when everyone else insults you, that you will see that he is enough. So that in the midst of your asking the question, God, what are you doing? I pray that you can trust that he is God even when you don't know what he's doing. I want to pause right there for just a second. Every head bowed and every eye closed. There's people in the room this morning and you need to accept Jesus. You've been wanting to, you've been thinking about it, but you thought you had to remove all the doubts first. You don't. If you're under the sound of my voice this morning, you need a relationship with Jesus and you feel the spirit moving inside of you. Just say, Jesus, I confess. I've messed it up. I've sinned tried my own way but I do believe in you sure I have my doubts but I do believe Jesus you are who you say you are so today I put my trust in you I believe you died I believe you rose I believe you're perfect have for me to follow you as best I can 
Jesus' name. Amen. So what do you do if you're in one of these moments of doubt? I think you do what John did. First thing you do is you admit it. Some of you grew up in cultures, a church culture, maybe some people around you that said that you couldn't admit when you were doubting, that it wasn't okay. But as John has just taught us, it obviously is. The first thing you need to do is admit it. Admit your doubt. The second thing is name it. What is causing you to doubt? For John, it was because Jesus didn't look like he wanted him to. But what is causing your doubt? Is it the hurt? Is it the pain? Is it somebody suffering and you don't think they should be suffering? Is it a thought that keeps going through your mind? Is it something that's happened in your past and how could God let that happen? You need to name it. What is causing you to doubt? The third thing is bring it. John brought his questions. He brought his doubt to Jesus need to hand it to him and say, Jesus, I, I, I don't have words. I can't, I, can't, I can't do anything, but my doubt is here. This is why I'm doubting, and I just need you to do something with it. Because I'm tired of caring. I'm tired of not wanting to talk about it. I'm, 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 I'm tired of, of wondering what is and what isn't. God, I just bring you my doubt here. Here it is. I'm going to be honest with you because I know you want the real me and not some fake version. So, so here it is. And the last thing is work it. When you're in a season of doubt, the worst thing you can do is completely give up everything you know when it comes to your faith. You need to continue to pray even when you're not feeling it. Continue to come to church even when you don't want to, even when it's extremely rainy. Continue to read the Bible, to read your devotional, push through it because everything in you will want to give it up because you're not feeling it. But you gotta, you gotta push through. So I want to do something a little bit different this morning. Instead of, instead of just closing with, with prayer and, and praying over you, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. I want to open up this area in front of the stage for you to come forward and for you to bring it to Jesus. Whatever it is, it may be your doubt. It may be a situation you're going through right now. It may be somebody you've been begging God to, God to help but I want us to bring it to Jesus this morning. And I don't want you to feel any pressure. Please don't, don't hear me, but I, I do think there's some significance in, in these significant moments of, in our faith where movement helps. Where maybe coming down here just sets something in your mind and reminds you of, of, of what you felt in that moment and God's presence in that moment. And so maybe you can go back to that the next time you have, have the doubt. Because I just believe there's some people this morning and, and you're struggling to believe that that God loves you or you're struggling to understand why he's doing what, he, what he's doing. And you need to be reminded that he's all powerful, and that he's all knowing and he wants the real you. We'll have a couple of people up here if you, wanna, if you want somebody to pray with you. But as the band sings this song, will you bring whatever you have to Jesus?
to grace I'm done with the hiding No reason to wait My heart needs a surgeon My soul needs a friend So I run to the Father Again and again I run to the Father Fall into grace I'm done with the hiding No reason to wait My heart found a surgeon My soul found a friend So I run to the Father Again and again Sing out with me. I run to the Father, fall into grace, done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. So run to the Father again. Come on, one more time. Run to the Father, fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. I run to the Father again and again. pastor such an amazing group of people thank you for your word thank you for your character God for everything that's been prayed for this morning God you have heard every one of them individually and you're not some generic God who deals with things in a generic way or deals with people in a generic way but you're going to deal with each one individually like a good shepherd you're going to speak to each one in a way that they can understand God I thank you for that God I pray Lord that we would never lose sight of how real you want us to be with you and we would never lose sight of, of your love and your grace and your tenderness towards us thank you that you lead us and that you guide us and that you have so much for us it's in Jesus name we pray Amen.